0: Good morning, Fellowship. Let's stand and worship. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. Come on, sing with me. When all I see is the mountain. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I Impossible. This is good news. Come on, sing it out. can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand
1: Good morning, Fellowship family. You can be seated. Hey, good morning. My name is Jimmy. I'm part of the community team here in Rogers. just want to say it is our passion to help you get plugged into the body of Christ here at Fellowship. And one primary way that we do that is through small group ministries. We want to see you belong as a member of the family of God. We want to see you grow as a disciple of Jesus and in your love for him. And we want to serve alongside you in helping you discover your gifts and unique talents that God has given you to bless others and to serve our Lord together. And so if you're new at Fellowship uh, or if you've been around for a while and you want to take that next step, we would love to talk with you. You can scan this QR, QR code on the screen or even better, you can stop by the center booth in the foyer. We'd love to talk with you. Welcome and thanks for worshiping with us today. Hey, A few quick reminders this morning. Uh, first off, every Sunday there's a ministry across the hall here in the Family Center that meets at 4:30 p.m. every Sunday. It's a marriage enrichment ministry called Reengage, and it's designed to meet you wherever you're at and to help you take your next step in your journey of oneness with your spouse. And so, you don't have to pre-register; you can just show up and start that journey. I will say, we're heading into the holiday season. Uh, and we're going to be taking off a few weeks, and so it might be best, if you're considering it, to look ahead to January or February to join us. We would love to have you join us. Hey, uh, speaking of the holidays, uh, who here starts celebrating Christmas early? Maybe October? There's a lot of hands. Y'all are sipping pumpkin spice stuff in July, aren't you? Well, uh, it's hard to believe it, but Advent, uh, family Advent service, is two weeks from this morning. And it's something my family always looks forward to this time of year. We're gonna celebrate across the hall in the family center at the nine thirty and eleven AM services on November twenty first. And so I'm sorry, know it's November twenty eighth. That's one, two, three. Okay, we're three was that three weeks? I'm bad at math. I don't even know where we what today is. <laughs> Kathy, that's two weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, so uh, family service, November 28th. I also have a quick reminder about the Operation Christmas Child boxes. If you've picked up a box, it's time to turn them in to Booth D. Don't forget about that. Hey, uh, Christmas time, the holidays uh, for most of us are a time of joy and celebration, but for many people, it's also reminders of loss and pain. And so there's a group that's gonna gather on November 16th from 6 to 7.30, a grief share. It's gonna be navigating, surviving the holidays. And so if that resonates with your heart and wherever you're at, encourage you to to join that that group. Hey, something that uh, I'm excited to share with you this morning uh, is uh, something, a tool that our media resourcing team has been working on for quite some time. And leading that charge is Justin Craning. I wanna give him a shout out. He has been developing what is known as the Fellowship app. encourage you to download it. Uh, I did that last week, and it's incredibly intuitive. And the purpose of it is designed to keep you connected and informed with all that's going on at Fellowship. Um, there's some really cool features that are going to be added into it over the next year. Um, side note, my wife, my sweet wife, was somehow put on the beta testing download of this, but I don't think she knew that because there's a prayer sharing feature on there, which is awesome. But she kept telling me, "Ah, man, there's just so many people that are having like a testing of their faith or something. It's like an unspoken prayer request. Well, it turns out it was actually just uh, them being thorough, sending test email prayer requests saying, does it even work? So we're being that thorough in the process of making sure that it works for you all, that even the test emails are being prayed for. So download it if you haven't already. If you haven't already done that, um, one last quick announcement. Uh, There's been a lot of inquiries about the construction on this campus, and so I wanted to update you on the bunker that we're building underground. (laughs) False. That is not true. We're repairing hail damage on the roofs around our campus, and so that's what it is. Just want to satisfy your curiosity on that. Well, hey, hasn't studying First Timothy been a very encouraging and challenging time as a body? Amen. Well, we're gonna wrap it up today. And so i uh, just grateful for our teaching team and the worship teams who've, and the media resourcing team who's brought this uh, before us. God's word is living and active. And we're gonna go to him in prayer right now and just ask him to, to lead and guide our time together. Would you pray with me? Lord, you are our God, and we are your people. We're made for your glory. And this morning, we want to worship you in spirit and truth, and so guide us and lead our time. Lord, we love you, and we know that's because you loved us first, and we want to keep our eyes solely fixed upon you. We want to stand firm on your word and be led by your grace. And so this morning, uh, we just want to express all praise and glory to your name. And we pray these things with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: have a seat again well Colossians 3 it tells us that we should let the word of Christ dwell richly among us and so in order for us to do that we've got to learn how to depend on him how to abide in his spirit so let's remind ourselves of that this morning through this song for my waking breath for my day I depend on you. I depend on you for the sun to rise, for my sleep and I Sing it. I depend on you. It's I depend take a moment to just sit with God. Just sit down in your spirit. Take a load off and look to him. Just ask him to be your teacher in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you teach us how to depend on you day-to-day, moment?
2: I was having a crisis of faith. At the height of my crisis, everything would just seem dark and dry spiritually. I didn't feel a connection to God. I was having a crisis of faith. The world was closing in on me and I could do nothing about it. Everything I tried failed. The darkness that I was feeling, the issues that I was going through, and the family crises that I were dealing with weren't getting any better. It just seemed more and more hopeless every day. After dealing with this uh, for a while, after you know, after feeling this uh, hopelessness getting worse and worse, God finally intervened through a, uh, a Sunday morning message. God put it on my heart that I needed to get out of this, that I needed to that I needed to reach out, that I needed to stop trying to handle things on my own. I finally saw what it was doing to me, physically, emotionally, what it was doing to my family life, what it was doing uh, to my relationship with my wife, that uh, there was. Uh, hope for dealing with this outside of myself. I decided to reach out to a community pastor. He got me involved with the with the men's ministry and just connected with a few guys, uh, just, you know, starting to build relationships, just starting with friendships. And, you know, it didn't have to be earth shattering right off the bat, but just getting me, getting me connected uh, with, with, uh, my brothers in Christ, getting me connected with guys who who actually cared enough to get to know who I was and let me get to know them. I started to see that I wasn't all that different from these guys, you know, us, that uh, we all have the same problems. And here I had guys that didn't really know me yet, but were, you know, they would put their arm around my shoulder, they would embrace me, they would encourage me, people I, in some cases, people I had just met that morning. In this group, I had friendships that i was building men that i could discuss these issues with that had had similar issues with family and the leader of that small group became a a a mentor that guided me through this and who wouldn't let me give up a mentor who would guide me through the worst parts of this who would not let me sink back in on myself again and who kept me connected Uh, I think that was the most, especially in the early days of this, that was the key thing is just that I wasn't allowed to give up. I wasn't allowed to uh, withdraw and go back to uh, to my dark corner. The thing about this is I look back over everything that's happened over the past couple of years. What really meant the most to me was that my my problems in the beginning, that darkness that I fell into, that uh, s- that spiritual drought, a-, a lot of it was self-consciousness. A lot of it was the idea that, well, you know, these are all busy guys. They're great guys, but they're all busy guys. They're not gonna, nobody has time for this. It, it meant the world to me to learn that that was not the case, that I was among brothers that truly, Uh, that truly cared about me. These were not men who were paying lip service to the idea of iron sharpening iron. These were men who cared and, and and a mentor that cared enough to really want to be there, to really want to give of his time to help me. It's a perfect microcosm of what we see in God the Father, just, you know, someone who has so much of their own life to worry about being willing to reach out and extend that hand and mean it.
3: Well, have you ever been there? In a crisis of faith? Have you ever been overcome in the depths of your soul by doubt? Or by despair? Have you ever found yourself on the very edge of just giving up? Giving up on Jesus. Resigning from the church. Giving up on spirituality. Maybe the powers of temptation or trials had weakened your resolve. Or maybe bitterness or hurt had eroded your trust in the church. Or maybe busyness or doubt had distracted you from the Lord. Have the scriptures ever asked too much of you? Been too counterculture? Has God's word ever encroached too much on your comfort? Well, for whatever reason or cause, perhaps you can relate that your once active or vibrant faith was in danger of going dormant. You found yourself actually considering throwing in the towel on the faith. Well, if you can relate, then I think our passage will speak to you today. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy. We'll be in the last chapter today, and in our passage, here's what we'll see. It will be a call to persevere in the faith. We will hear a charge to remain faithful. We will see words from a mentor written to his mentee calling him to endure as a follower and as a minister of Jesus. So if you've ever thought about quitting, of turning back, and let's be honest, many of us have, then I think these words we will study today will speak to your heart. We're in our final week of our fall teaching series on the New Testament epistle of 1 Timothy, by the way, we'll be heading into Thanksgiving and Advent to close out the year. And in 2022, Ruth, Jonah, John, and Ephesians. So if you're one of those people that like to see where we're headed, that's our 2022. Hasn't First Timothy been a really challenging study? I hope that it's been both instructional for you and it's also been devotional. I hope that you've also sharpened your personal Bible study skills as we endeavored to study this book using the inductive Bible study method. First Timothy is one of three books in the New Testament that we call pastoral epistles, and it conveys two primary themes. First is its instruction on church conduct to a young minister. And secondly, it's a call for Timothy to persevere in the faith and in the ministry. And that's the theme the call to persevere that closes out the letter. Let's take a look at chapter 6, beginning with verses 11 and 12. They read like this. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life that to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Verse 11 begins the final section of the letter. Paul closes with this direct and personal challenge to Timothy to persevere in the faith and the ministry and look at the opening words. Paul addresses Timothy with an esteemed title. He says, but you, man of God. This is his third descriptive title of Timothy in the letter thus far. The first is found in chapter one. He called him his true son in the faith. The second is in chapter four. He called Timothy a good minister of Christ Jesus. But here he gives him this title, man of God. This is the only place in the New Testament, and Timothy's the only person referenced this way um, in the the, the New Testament books. But it's used often in the Old Testament. Testament to describe describe some very significant biblical characters. Look at this list. Moses was called the man of God in the book of Deuteronomy. Joshua, his follower and assistant was called the man man of God. David, the second king of Israel, was called a man of God. Samuel, the first prophet of Israel, was called man of God. And then Elijah and Elisha, those, those towers of first and second king, had the title Man of God. What a list. Look at those names. And here, the Apostle Paul uses this title to describe this young first century pastor named Timothy. This is powerful stuff. As Paul began his final challenge, he was affirming his belief in Timothy. This is one of those I see in you moments. He was putting wind in Timothy's sail. He was building his confidence through his affirmation. And don't miss it. He was contrasting Timothy with other characters in this letter. People who had abandoned the faith or who had been teaching heresy. He called Timothy man of God. And he goes on to give him four challenges in these first two verses. Flee pursue, fight, and take hold. It is like Timothy is in the locker room before the big game, and Paul is his position coach, and he's giving him this inspirational speech. Now, why would Paul need to challenge or encourage or motivate Timothy? Well, we've learned that Timothy's in a very tough situation. He's a young, timid, Sickly pastor leading a church in a city that was famous for its Roman culture. It was famous for its cult worship, but not known to worship Jesus. And so Timothy was not only doing church in a difficult place, but the church he was leading was not doing well. There were false teachers that had arisen from within, from his own leadership team. And not only had they fallen away from the faith, they were leading others astray as well. And I am certain that young Timothy must have been discouraged. And you might even speculate, and we're speculating here, that there had been moments when Timothy had penned his letter of resignation. And he was ready to quit on the ministry. So we see here the words of a mentor given to his mentee, calling him to stay on task. To remain faithful. Now, if you studied this passage inductively, uh, we've asked you to go through the passage and list some different types of statements. Like you might find a a question in the passage or different kinds of things. In this passage, it's full of commands, full of imperatives. We're going to focus on these first four. Verse 11 begins with flee from all of this. Will flee from what? Well, certainly this at least refers to what was just prior to this in verses 3 to 10. We looked at these plus verses 17 to 19 last week when Dr. Mark Yarbrough was here from Dallas Theological Seminary. Certainly, Timothy is to flee materialism and greed and heresy. That's what it talks about just prior to this, but it could also refer to all of the negative issues referred to in this letter thus far that derive from false teachers and their teachings and about improper conduct in church life so Timothy flee from heresy flee from false doctrine flee from quarrels and conflicts flee from ungodly behaviors flee from materialism flee from greed Timothy turn your back on these temptations and run away You know, as a follower of Jesus, flight is an effective spiritual strategy for resisting temptation. Like Joseph, fleeing from the grasp of Potiphar's wife, there are times when departure from tempting circumstance is the best strategy. Repeatedly, the apostle Paul would write in his letters to flee from certain things, sins and temptations. He would write, to flee the evil desires of youth, to flee idolatry, to flee sexual immorality. And here in verse 11, he calls for Timothy to flee the ungodly desires and behaviors that had creeped into the church at Ephesus. Sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is to flee. It's to get out of the situation, to skedaddle, to run away from those things that are are alluring us to ungodliness. To remove ourselves from the power of temptation. To distance ourselves from those pressures of unrighteousness. So as we strive for godliness, there are times when option A is simply running away. There are places we need to leave. There are people we should distance ourselves from. Circumstances we should avoid. Can you think of any? So you find yourself falling into the same temptation and trap and falling flat on your face in your pursuit of godliness because of a certain tempting circumstance, person, or situation? I have a friend that stopped coaching youth sports, and he should have. <laughs> because he was prone to anger. He says, I'm best in the stands and mostly in the outfield. I have a couple of buddies who do not have a browser on their phone. It helps them keep their eyes pure. I know a couple who had to change their social circles to help them with their temptation to substance abuse. I know a lady that comes here every Friday night to spend time with our CR family so that she can avoid being isolated on the weekends. What's your number one source of temptation? Can you think of something that you need to Flee from a place, a person, a substance, a circumstance, a device, being idle, being alone. From what do you need or from whom do you need to flee from? Well, not only do we need to turn away from some things, we also need to turn towards certain things. The next command is to pursue. We are to pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness, six attributes that we're to chase after. Six things that honor God and are beneficial to us. And they're presented in three pairs. There's, there's righteousness and godliness. There's faith and love. There's endurance and gentleness. Let's work through each pair. First, we are to, to pursue righteousness and godliness. This speaks to our pursuit of character, to our maturing and godly attributes. You know, in inductive Bible study, we look for repeated terms. And this is the eighth time in the book as a whole that the concept of godliness has come up. So the word godly or godliness has been repeated eight times. And in Bible study, what is repeated is important. So is godliness on your agenda? Is the pursuit of spiritual maturity a goal in your life? Are you chasing after righteousness? The call here is to pursue it, to seek after it, to invest our time and our energy and our emotion in attaining Christ-likeness. Let me remind you of a few things that we say around fellowship quite often. First, who you are is more important than what you do. Parents, you need to tell your kids that all the time. Who you are is more important than what you do. Character trumps competence. Godliness is more important than giftedness. Depth of intimacy with Christ is of far greater value than your position or your scope of responsibility, your net worth, or any task you would perform. Who you are is more important than what you do. And we back that up with being comes before doing. Character and godliness works its way from the inside out. And Paul affirms this in his challenge to Timothy. He says, pursue righteousness and godliness. Next, he called Timothy to pursue faith and love. These are distinguishing attributes of God's people. We are to maintain both right beliefs and a right heart or disposition towards God and others. We're people of faith. We are people of promise. We live with hope because we believe in the purposes and plans of God as revealed to us through the scriptures. And we're people of love. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we love every single person on the face of this earth who is created in his image. And the apostle Paul called Timothy to pursue these things, to chase after faith and love. These are the building blocks of a God-honoring life. And lastly... The last pair is to pursue endurance and gentleness. Now, at first glance, you may look at these and not see a pair. What do endurance and gentleness have in common? Well, they have a common requirement between them. Patience. Endurance requires patience in difficult circumstances. Gentleness requires patience with difficult people. And both of these words would have spoken to Timothy directly because he was in a difficult situation and he was dealing with difficult people. So let's stop right here and have a time of application. Earlier we asked, what do you need to flee from? Now, let me ask you this. If you had a wise mentor who knew you and your situation well and they were going to write to you a list of a few things you needed to pursue what would be on that list? Maybe a few from here, but what about on your list for you personally? Is it a habit or a skill you need to pursue? Is it a character attribute you need to pursue? Is it a person or a place? Hear from the Holy Spirit. You know, there's balance in the Christian life, there are things we flee, the things we pursue. Things we run from and things we run to, but there are also things we fight for. Let's move to verse 12. The passage reads, fight the good, fight of the faith. Now, when the letter mentions the faith, it is talking about the essential body of doctrine concerning Jesus and the church. Those things that we must hold to as genuine believers in Christ. Timothy was tasked with passing on the faith. It was his job to teach the faith to those in his care. And the letter has mentioned that some have shipwrecked their faith. Others have wandered from the faith. Still others have departed from the faith. And in contrast, Timothy was to fight for the faith. He was challenged to battle for the faith, to struggle or contend For sound doctrine. He was to defend it. He was to protect the essential elements of Christian truth. And to guard the core practices of the church. Throughout this letter. Paul has called Timothy. To stand against false teachers. And their false teachings. Timothy was to resist the influence of these teachers. And he was to rescue those who were being led astray. By their teachings. Now this particular part of the passage. Reminds us. That while our faith in Jesus, for the most part, calls for us to be harmonious and peaceful people, there are times to fight. There are times to struggle against, times to courageously protect, times to relentlessly defend orthodoxy. Now, this was written originally in Greek, and that phrase, fight the good fight in the original Greek terminology was actually athletic in its nature. And the city of Ephesus had many stadiums and athletic facilities. They can be correctly translated as fight the good fight, but they can also be translated as run the good race. And in the original language, that the term, it describes voluntary athletic agony. The kind that takes place in a grueling Race or match, the kind of fight and intensity that pushes past pain and reason, the kind of relentlessness that ignores normal limitations, the kind of intensity that accomplishes the extraordinary. This summer, me and a few buddies decided to do something really stupid. We decided to ride a hundred mile race and I guess in the cycling world, I'm not much of a cyclist, that this is kind of a benchmark ride. Like a runner runs a marathon, a cyclist does their century ride or their 100-mile ride. So somebody said, hey, you want to do it? And We said, sure, why not? So we started training. And we started riding 50-mile rides and then 60-mile rides and then 70 and 80-mile rides. Now, the race was Labor Day weekend, so we were training at the end of August When the temps in northwest Arkansas are hotter than the surface of the sun. And I'm not a great athlete. I learned really quickly that past the 70 mile mark, my body quit. In fact, I have a photo of one of our training sessions. (laughs) This is Derek Horn. This is at mile 71, right behind Mercy Medical on the Greenway. At mile 71, Derek's body went into a full body cramp. And he fell off his bike. And so I immediately did what I was supposed to do. I took pictures and made fun of him. (laughs) After we got him stretched out, you know what Derek did? He got back on his bike. It was not reasonable. But it was that agonizing athletic push. And he finished the training ride and finished the 100-mile race. It's with this kind of relentless intensity, this kind of pushing past the pain that Paul was calling for Timothy to fight for the faith, to defend sound doctrine, to refute false teaching. It was though the fate of the church depended on it. And in Timothy's case, it did. So, so for us, in our context, when is it time to fight? Well, follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, but I will give you at least this list. These are fellowship's core beliefs. Our doctrinal statement's much longer, but these are our core beliefs. These are things that we would fight for, like the authority of Scripture, or the Trinity, or Christology, the full deity and humanity of Jesus, or the substitutionary atonement, the belief that our sin is imputed to the cross, and God's righteousness is exchanged or credited to our account. That's worth fighting for. Or the belief that salvation is by grace through faith alone and Christ alone. Or the belief in the virgin birth or the physical bodily resurrection of Christ or his one-day return to this earth. And at fellowship, we would fight for the belief in the priesthood of every believer. And these essential doctrines, these core beliefs, we contend for the faith. The last command in the first two verses is for Timothy to take hold. It says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Timothy never let go of the hope of heaven that you received the day you proclaimed your faith or your trust, your belief in Jesus Christ. When you made your good confession, cling to your certain hope and future. Live in the reality of your calling. Let your identity be rooted in your destiny and don't let go of that. It's a good reminder to us that we are not citizens of this world. Our citizenship at the point that we place our faith in Christ was transferred to heaven. We are strangers and aliens in this world. This is not our home. We are awaiting a kingdom to come and our heart and our allegiance lie elsewhere. So this might help you if you get frustrated in this world. If you become bothered by things not being the way they're supposed to be. If you get angered that sin and unrighteousness are normalized while God's word is rejected. I'm sure Timothy could relate. He lived in a culture that was purely pagan to the core. And Paul told him to take hold of your eternity, Timothy, and let that be your perspective. Cling to something not yet realized, Timothy. Live in this day with understanding of that day. C.S. Lewis said it beautifully in Mere Christianity. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Take hold of your eternal life, Timothy, and live in that hope. So flee, then pursue then fight, and then take hold. This is intense stuff, but it's going to get heavier. Look at verses 13 to 15 and 16. The apostle Paul bolsters his call to persevere with a solemn charge. He says, In sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, Timothy... I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Paul said, Timothy, Before God and his son, Jesus, I charge you. Timothy, I call two of the greatest witnesses you can ever call, the father and the son, and I charge you, don't quit. Do your job, Timothy. And he reminds him that he has a divine audience. He is working out his faithfulness in the presence of God the father and his son, Jesus. And he says, Timothy, don't forget that Jesus in his Time of crisis, as he stood on trial before Pontius Pilate, he did not waver. He did not compromise. He made the good confession, and Paul called Timothy to walk the same road. And he's calling you and me as well. Paul is laying it on thick here. He's motivating, he's inspiring. The charge is found in verse 14. Keep this command without spot or blame. It was a call to persevere in Christ, to keep the faith, to endure in the ministry, to fulfill his calling. For how long? Until Christ comes. For what reason? To bring honor and glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's a truth that emerges from this passage that God is honored. He receives glory when his people persevere. When we finish well, when we run the race marked out for us, Jesus is glorified. Enduring in the faith, persevering, knowing, and serving Jesus for the long haul brings honor and praise and glory to God. And this is a true observation. I think a faithful finish is a rare thing. It is the faithful few who will be able to say, I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. I finished the race. Last Thursday, we had a memorial service here at Fellowship. We honored one of the giants of the faith in our church, one of our shepherding elders, Lynn Garst, and on Veterans Day, of course, because he was a faithful soldier. And his daughter, Karen, stood on the stage to the amens of all of us who knew him and said those words about our father. He fought the good fight and everybody nodded for his country, for his family, and for his his Jesus. He kept the faith. We read from his journal with his writing through his Parkinson's from weeks before he died and he finished the race. May we be able to say we did the same. The last two verses bring the letter to a close with a reminder of the Apostle Paul's expectation for Timothy. He says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in doing so departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. The final two commands both restate and reinforce Timothy's mission and calling. He is to guard what has been entrusted and he is to turn away from that which opposes it. Timothy had been entrusted with something very precious, the house of God. And he was to guard that with all his might. And he was to do so by turning away from anything that would stain it or blemish it. And so are we. No matter what. We are to live lives that honor God through our perseverance. Would you pray with me? Well, Father, as we bring this book to a close, I pray that you would write on our hearts this morning a calling to finish well. And Father, I pray by the gracious hand of your Holy Spirit, you would enable us to do it, to run the race marked out for us, to finish the assignment you've given us. I pray it for our church, and I pray it for each one here. And Lord, I pray that if there's something in our path that would prevent that, you would speak very loudly and clearly to us this morning so that we can correct it. Oh Lord, we love you. We'll do this in your name and for your name, in your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I want to close this morning by taking you into a dark day in the life and ministry of Jesus. It comes from the book of John, chapter six, verse 66. Don't miss the numerology. It's a sad day a day when many of his followers quit. It says from this time, many of the disciples turned back and, no, want, and no, no longer followed him. Jesus had just given a controversial teaching. It was difficult to understand. And upon hearing it, many abandoned him in the moment, turning their backs and walking away. They quit following the teacher. Continuing in the faith was asking too much of But here's what I want you to see. Jesus took the moment and he drew a line in the sand and he looked at his 12 disciples and he invited them to quit too. Jesus turned to the 12 and he said, you do not want to leave too, do you? Am I asking too much? Is my teaching too uncomfortable? You're free to go. And I want you to look at the words of Simon Peter. Words of faith. Words of wisdom. Words of courage. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. He says, Lord, I will give you my all because you're all that I have. And I will leave everything to follow you. You're worthy of our lives because you've given us yours. The line in the sand is drawn for us by the book today. Are you in? Or are you out? Would you stand with us? And let's go way back and close with this familiar hymn, affirming our faith.
0: I pray that you would lead us in that we can't do it without you we can't do it without your spirit so teach us how to abide in you so that we can walk faithfully with you discern what is from you and what's not to live grounded in your word so God go with us lead us Empower us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We love you, fellowship. And uh, we pray that this week would be a great week of walking in the spirit. Hey, if you need prayer this morning, the parishes are in the the prayer room this morning. We would be happy to pray with you. Um, We would love that. Have a great week. We love you, fellowship.